Rhonda, it is a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you in this stunning gallery here at the Peabody Essex Museum. How are you today? I'm great, and it's so beautiful to see. It's just lit up my day. What do you think of it? You just took a walk around it for the first time. What are you thinking? I, it's so nice to see them highlighted this way and displayed this way for people to enjoy and see the workmanship and talent of such great designers like Bob Mackie and Stephen Yerrick to come to life again here on the pedestals. I love how the museum has displayed them because you can really see all angles of the dresses and ensembles. Outfits. And the groupings, I just did it color coordinated and just beautifully done. It's just fascinating to see how talented they are here. It's been a, a great process working with uh, people that really know fashion and understand it and saw the creativity and the designers and the workmanship. and. When they came to take them, too, I was fascinated of how they really examined each garment. They knew fabrics, they knew how they were made, uh, how they were cared for, and they took such loving care. Each piece was treated just like it was a brand new dress. When you look at these, are there any in particular that stand out that maybe have an interesting behind-the-scenes story? One of them, which is the one with the cloche hat and the uh, beaded fur, uh, I bought that, it was a Tony Chase at the time, and Tony Chase designed, I don't know if you know, for Dolly Parton. But I fell in love with that ensemble and my daughter was having a Dr. Zhivago wedding. And I decided I wanted that coat and dress and that cloche for this winter wedding we were doing of a Dr. Zhivago theme. And um, that was my favorite piece in the whole collection, of course. Bob Mackey's always been my favorite because he was a little uh, over the top very show business and very glamorous, dressed all the top stars like Cher and Mitzi Gaynor. And every time I went to his shows, I always had a front row seat because I bought a lot of his things. All of these pieces, they are timeless. I mean, you could wear any of these today and each one is so glamorous and you are so glamorous. <laughs> how, how do you advise people to get their sparkle back, get their glamour back? Well, you used to hit the nail on the head. First, they have to get rid of their Lululemon pants right away um, and put on a pair of pants that fit and have a little flare with beautiful fabric. Uh, it not, it's not everybody's lifestyle, but if they really want to feel glamorous, they have to dress that way. And what I mean by that is you can still wear a pair of jeans, but maybe throw a sequin jacket over it or maybe put on a pair of crystal earrings with just your jeans and a white shirt. Um, maybe just for the heck of it that day, instead of parent sneakers on, put a pair of gold pumps on. See what that looks like. But it gives you that feeling. But the first thing they have to do when they get up in the morning is get dressed immediately. Make yourself feel good first thing in the morning and the rest of the day will go great. It just sets a different trajectory when you take that moment in the morning to exactly. take care of you yourself. You need that. Every woman needs that. Now, we mentioned your book, which is available for sale here at the Peabody Essex Museum and on Amazon. I thought this was fantastic. I've read it twice, and I love that it tells your story, and it also gives great inspiration. And, you know, spoiler alert, there's no shortcut. It, you are a success story because you did the work. Tell me more about how did you keep that motor going? Well, all through those years when you were raising kids, it's a lot of work running the store, having a, a massive staff, 
um, a beautiful family, a loving family. How did you keep going? Well, it was hard because we really didn't have much and we were uh, and not in a great position. I was losing my hair at the time, uh, you know, from nerves and uh, anxiety, and my husband was work job wasn't working out so well. And I got bought a wig because I had to go to work, and I had to look decent every day. I had to drop the kids off to school and go to work. And I found that by wearing a wig, people would stop me and think it was beautiful. And I started that way by realizing that if I got dressed and put a wig on and put some makeup on and went to work and was out there in the public that eventually things would get better. And they did because people love the wig. And then I started helping them get a wig, which went into makeup, went into clothing, uh, making my own clothes and selling them and then uh, opening my first salon. Because it was getting so busy, the phone calls that I was helping people and I was doing that just for gratis, just to help them feel good about themselves. Because I had to feel good about myself in order to keep going. I showed them that I had a hair problem too and I took my wig off so they could see that how much better I would look with the wig and they will once they felt better about themselves. But you know, it was hard for my kids because my kids didn't understand sometimes. They were a little embarrassed. They wanted me to drop off around the corner so that nobody could see me because I was always with something fancy or bright to brighten my day. Uh, they learned to love it after, but as youngsters, it was pretty difficult. No, don't drop me off in front of the door. People will see you. Before there was a thing that we call work-life balance, how did you achieve that? My mom used to say, you can do anything you want to do. You just have to do it. When I want my prom dress is the perfect example. Uh, we couldn't afford the dress. Uh, my mom said, you'll have to make it. And, well, how do I make it? Well, just you know, get a patent or whatever, you know, just, you can do it. And I did. And I found out that it was pretty. And I guess I could. I didn't have to go out and spend a million dollars to look good. I just got some glittery fabric and fantasy tool, and that was it. How do you encourage people who are starting a business, particularly females, where sometimes it feels like the deck could be stacked against us, we've got all these competing responsibilities, you need to believe in yourself, number one. But you need to listen to people. You still do what you want to do. I listen all the time. And I found with brides especially and clients, I listened to what they wanted. I listened to what they could afford. I listened to what their needs were and how their lifestyle was. Because you can't start showing somebody something or selling them something unless you know what their needs are. And if you don't listen, if you're so busy ready to sell rather than look and listen to what people are saying to you. And I think that when you listen to them in so many walks of life, that's why we named our company Where Beautiful Lifestyles Begin, because it is a lifestyle. Not everyone has the same lifestyle. And I wanted them to dress and be the lifestyle they wanted to be. And you, you have to listen, but you can't let it penetrate to a point that it changes you. You need to stay positive that what I'm selling is what I want to do. I want to make this my career, and I'm going to do it. Everyone said it wouldn't work. They told me when I opened Yolanda's, my husband built the building, and we were going to put a coffee shop and a swimming pool and a facial salon. They said, that's not going to work. At the end of my career, I ended up 
putting in a lot of facilities, different businesses into my company because I found that brides that were coming to me needed a tuxedo and needed a bridesmaid's dress and they needed a photographer, they needed a travel agent. And I started renting spaces, which I should have done in the very beginning. But I never thought of it in the beginning. But when I thought of it, I did it and it worked. So I think that, you know, you really have to listen to yourself too and keep going. I love that advice. Let's talk about your fashion shows, which were legendary. <laughs> you had all the best celebrities in attendance. What was your inspiration for those fashion shows? Well, I started really in the beginning just doing little shows at Pier 4. And we always did something fun in it. Like we dressed some models in like a Carol Burnett outfit when she had the mop and the broom and how we changed her when she'd rip it off. She had a really sexy dress under that. And we found the audience loved it. And we learned to have fun at our fashion shows. And then we found that when we put dresses on that we would think would never sell, people were like talked about it for weeks afterward. I used to watch the audience as I commentated and I'd look at their faces and I was more interested in their reaction to everything. And the reaction was always so positive that they were having fun. They weren't just looking at a bunch of dresses. We also, fashion shows were a way to show that every woman is beautiful. The mix was a blonde, brunette, redhead, um, petites, oversized, whatever was in that show. And we made sure that women understood that, oh, there's something there for me. So I think the fashion shows were fun for me because it brought a lot of clients. The fashion shows were uh, just fun to do. And we, every year we try to top ourselves. And we always looked for a piece like a Bob Mackey piece that people would say, oh my God, I could never afford that. I would never wear, where would I wear that? That piece had to be in there too. But fashion shows were fun. I'd start working a year in advance before we did them. Uh, when I opened the first big store, my dad had cancer mm -hmm. and he was like, from Italy and never saw things that I did in his lifetime. He was always there helping me. And he, um, uh, he had gotten cancer and the first fashion show I did, uh, we gave the money to the Waltham Hospital for the Lung Association. And um, that got me into realizing that through this frivolous business that I was in, that my dad uh, was so proud of, I was able to help someone else that had cancer. And so that's what I saw that was so rewarding to me. It wasn't the show itself, it was what I could do with the show. And that's how we got connected with New Hampshire, uh, Exeter. We did that show for 13 years, raising hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. Women would come out, just tons and tons, 1,600 women under a tent to see this show and they until I finally said, okay, ladies, I've done this for 13 years, I'm done. But it was, it was great um, and very rewarding. So not only did we gain customers, but we were able to help such worthy causes. So um, I really, very rarely ever, I don't think I ever did a show unless it was for a charity. It had to be a benefit. And if I thought they weren't gonna make money, I would tell them I'm not gonna do the show because I wanted them to make money. Uh, that was the purpose of me doing it. I got customers, they got money. Is there, you know, anything else you'd like to add or, or talk about? With no, I just wish I had my Excalibur again. <laughs> oh, one question, what happened to the Excalibur? Well, it was interesting, you know, when I, when I first uh, saw that car, 
I thought it would be a great advertising tool, which it was. It became a big advertising tool. And um, my husband wanted me to rent it, and I said, no, I want to buy it. And he said, going to buy it outright? I said, yeah, I'm going to buy it outright. My bookkeeper wasn't too happy, but we did. And I said, listen, if you were buying you know, an advertisement on 128 on the billboard would cost you more than the cost of payments of the car. So we did buy the car, and then we ended up buying three of them. Then we bought a limousine. Out of all of the things that I miss about my business, I miss that car. <laughs> it was a conversation piece. It was fun to be with people, and um, everybody would stop and wave and want to know where it came from, and it was great. You were very hands-on. Oh, no it was very important to me. Outsource that, and that's one of the reasons why the, the quality was there, because you were there, and why you, you were able to connect with so many people, because you were there and in that, in that shop and making people personally feel beautiful. Yeah, it was very important to me. I mean, even having the alteration department, I know most stores don't have them now, but it really is important that you know that when that piece left, it was perfection. Everything fit perfectly. The customer was happy. And that's how we get into everything. The shoes, the hosiery, the uh, lingerie, everything you needed to make that outfit complete. Uh, as I said, I keep saying that to beauty shops today. I don't know why you don't have hair ornaments and hair accessories and all of the extra things that you could be making because it's all an add-on. It's. I can't think of a single shop today that does what your shop did. No, they don't. They don't exist. No. So thank you so much for <laughs> so many years in that shop of, of making women feel beautiful. And thank you for your time today and for sharing your collection with the world. What a treat just to have a glimpse into your life, into your closet, and really making these ensembles come to life. By well, I thank the Peabody Essex Museum because it's a great, the way they did it, they've just outdid themselves. It's absolutely gorgeous. They did a fantastic job. Certainly better than sitting in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs>